Bonjour everyone, you're listening to I Just Want to Read the Podcast. I'm your host, Jean-Philippe. All right, everyone. So for this episode, we have Clémence Maillet-Danco with us, who's the founder of Chocopin Bakery that I'm sure you heard about if you follow my blog. Hello, Clémence. Hello, Jean-Philippe. How are you? Good. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Thank you for participating to this episode. It's going to be interesting, I hope, for everyone. At least for me, it's going to be interesting because I've been going to Chocopin since it opened, I don't remember how many years ago. How many years has it been that you opened in Hoboken? It's almost 10 years. In January, will be 10 years. Oh, wow. Already 10 yeah. years. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit uh, about Chocopin, how you came up with the idea of opening it? Sure, of course. Uh, first, thanks for having for having me. And it's a, it's a real pleasure to participate into this uh, interview with you you have been one of our biggest fans if not the biggest fan thank the you beginning and it's it's always such a pleasure to to see your post on the saturday morning and sunday morning <laughs> it's it's a, it's great to have a supporter like you so thank you so much um so yes I, as i opened uh Chocopin, i started working on it when i arrived in the in the u.s uh, 12 years ago and and i opened it um, almost 10 years ago so The idea was that I was always passionate about food in general. I wanted, I knew I wanted to work in food. When I started looking for a job, I was looking uh, in marketing and in food. You know, the large, the Danone and the Nestle that we we have in uh, in Europe, mm -hmm. and that didn't work quite as uh, as I had planned. So I ended up uh, working in the pharmaceuticals and in logistics so not quite the plan but i guess that's what life is is all about right is yeah. is the opportunity that are thrown in your on on your way and that you you can uh, grab uh, or not but i really really wanted to work at that time i didn't want to wait for the the perfect job and so i started working as a temp um and and that's how i ended up in the in the pharmaceuticals in the logistics And I spent there. I spent seven years there. It was great. I've, I've learned a lot. It was it was really fantastic experiences. I met amazing people. And that's how I met my husband. So it was not all for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Life always has a plan for you. Exactly. That's what I think. So then my husband, my, my husband, uh, or about to be husband, got offered a job in the, in the U.S. And uh, we decided to uh, to jump on this opportunity to start this new new page of our our story. And when he was there, he arrived a few a few months uh, uh, before me, and he put this idea in my in my mind. He said, "I think you should look into opening your own business. You have been talking about it uh, since I know you." Even if you thought that it would be maybe something that you would do later, look into it. It's a new life. It's a new, you know, new place. Why not look in, into into that? And then he had the idea of the bread. Everything started with this long and slow fermentation uh, bread, just like uh, you know it used to be done um, in in the past. So that's yeah, that's all. That's how the this little idea got planted in my brain. And then I started thinking about it. And then and then when I arrived, I 
I started looking into it more more seriously. I went to school, to ICE, to to learn um, Institute of Culinary Education. I did the, the management class there, so I learned how to open and run a business. And then I went to the FCI, formerly French Culinary Institute, where I learned how to make bread. I knew I didn't want to be in production on a daily basis, but I wanted to learn how to make it to understand how it works, the science behind it, and the, especially bread is really alive and you know you have to feel it you have to experience it so i thought it would it would be a good idea and i've learned how to make croissant as well over there so it was a, it was very very interesting year. so yes short introduction but that's how i came up with this concept you know in france you know as well as i do that bakeries are not often a place where you stay, right? We, you buy your bread, you buy your sandwich, you buy your croissant, and then and then you go. So that's one of the special things that I, I discovered here is that it would it would be a very different concept and it would be more like a, a salon de thé, as we call them in France, where you would uh, sit and eat on site as well as, you know, just buy and, and, and go. So that's that was one of the surprise or, you know, things that I didn't anticipate that uh, Chocopin should be in order to be uh, to be successful so it was interesting yeah no you know it's a very interesting I took a class croissant making class a few years ago mm-hmm. and, and I think you know doing it it's also a way to understand that it's not that simple oh, I mean no. it takes it's hard lot. work and typically yeah. bakers they don't wake up at six o'clock and don't do nine to five no they don't they don't, and, no, and I'm not sure people realize how hard it is uh, to be uh, to be a baker. It's a bit of a passion in a way, now. Yeah, completely. I really think, and you know, I I really admire them for for doing it because it's a very physical work. The the load that they are carrying, you know, day in and day out, it's a job that is really hard and it takes a lot of courage. The hours are not easy. And they are doing it because they love it, because it's it, that's what it takes. Because because it's uh, it's it's really not uh, not easy. So I've done pretty much all of the of the shift uh, now by you know just helping them here and there when we are short staff. I've done the overnight. So I, I every time I, I do it, I I see how how heavy it is. You know, one thing that happened during COVID that everybody was doing bread at home, right? Yes, that's uh, true. I. Th- I think that's another thing that people realize is that take a long time, you have to wait, you have to be patient, you know, different step. I mean, it can be as fast as two, three hours if you do uh, a fast rise one, but it can be 24, 40 hours, eight hours like we do with the Levin and, and then sometimes it just does not work and it's too wet or it's too dry. So I think a great thing came out of that is that people realize how difficulties and how much work goes into into doing it and the croissant is certainly not the easiest either it takes as you know it it, it takes uh, over two days to do it you have to wait respect some steps do the first step then wait then start the the the, the next step incorporate the butter and it, yeah it really does uh, it really does take a, a lot of time and a lot of work physical work absolutely yeah you know as you're talking about covid so i'm just gonna say that i made croissant chocolate croissant during covid thanks to you <laughs> because we were buying you know and i think it's a it was a great idea i don't know how you got the idea but to provide frozen viennoiserie so people could make them at home i thought that was fantastic <laughs> that was a good idea it's true 
So how it started, it's funny. When we announced we were going to close at the end of the, I think it was the end of March, uh, we announced that earlier and we said, okay, we have to, you know, empty the freezer, right? Because we we always produce a couple of days uh, ahead. Uh, we don't, typically you don't make the croissant that you are going to bake immediately. So you, you make them by batch. So you, you, you make a, a few uh, a few days worse uh, at a time of the different ones. And we realized, okay, we're going to be closed. We don't know for how long. Is it going to be two weeks, as they said in school at first? Or more, more likely four weeks or maybe six? We had no idea. So we thought, okay, let's try to empty this freezer that we have. We have a big freezer. <laughs> and it was chaos. It was a nightmare. It was crazy. I, we didn't anticipate receiving so many orders. We couldn't, we couldn't manage them. People were calling in the store, coming in the store. We were receiving the online orders. It was just complete chaos. And for everybody who has experienced it, I apologize because we did not anticipate that it would be so crazy. And my staff also, I remember, I was like, oh, I'm so sorry you are doing, you are going through this. It's, it was, it was, it was crazy. It was really crazy. Like, you know, Thanksgiving is crazy. This was just another level of crazy. So after the fact, when we were closed and officially I had no more employees and was the time to, you know, reflect and breathe and just like realize what was happening, really, it was a shock. It was really a shock for me. But then after after that, I started discussing with uh, uh, my managers again, uh, check, checking on them, you know, starting to checking on, on their health and everything. And and my uh, head of pastry uh, had this idea. He said, you remember how crazy it was? Do you want to continue to do that? And I was like, yeah, actually, it is a great idea. Absolutely. It was so crazy. So let's... Let's see, maybe there is still a demand and that's how we started again. So it was a funny story. It always happens, you know, by something you don't necessarily imagine the impact it's going to have. But then, uh, and it was, it was a great response. And what was really good was that we were receiving all the orders for certain dates and then we would prepare the orders. I mean, uh, and then, and then distribute them. So it was, it was an easier way, you know, we didn't, we didn't have to open several stores at, at once. It was just very nicely uh, done and everybody was playing the game, you know, on the, on the customer side as well. People were just excited, anxious as well to go out of the house for the biggest part, but also happy, I guess. And we were serving at the door. So it was a, it was, it was a great experience. It and it made us, honestly, it made us last, uh, those two months where we were closed, both mentally and and also financially, because it, it really did help to uh, to pay the the rent and you know the expenses that we uh, we still had. So it was um, it was a great help and a great way also mentally, emotionally to stay connected to the to to the customers and and we really appreciated their their support because definitely they were there. They were there for us. Yeah, no, you know, it's, it's true thinking about that. I remember with my wife, uh, every weekend we are at Chocopa. And mm -hmm. when it happened, you know, and uh, you started, it was keeping a, a sort of normalcy, even if we had to, to prepare them at home. Huh? But at least, you know, we had our chocolate croissant or croissant on the weekend. So it was a, a yeah. little attachment to uh, normalcy, I would say. And mm. I can tell you, the apartment was smelling better. 
it was great, I have to say. And what's interesting is that in the, in the freezer, it doesn't take that much space, you know, compared to the end product. No. So I remember right. uh, we got uh, quite a few and every weekend we were preparing the croissant, chocolate croissant. And at some point, so my wife was really happy, it was the, the cinnamon escargot. Okay. Yeah, she's yeah. a big fan of it. Hein. Uh, I can tell you, if you don't have any in, in the morning when we go, she's really sad. Oh, yes, that's, that's right. <laughs> so let, let me ask you, Clémence, the name Chocopin, can you explain to people where it's coming from? Right, because it's not a French word at all. We have to clarify that. <laughs> it's like a, an invention. My husband is Hungarian, and when we met, we were mostly speaking English together, and then he worked again on his uh, old uh, French classes. He had studied French in the past, but he had forgotten it. So... We started working on it again. But anyway, a few years later, when we were, uh, once we were in Paris and he would go to, uh, he's always, a, he has always been a, a really gourmand. I never know how to say that in English because there's, I think, no ex, no equivalent. It's not gourmet. It's, it's more like you like to yeah. eat good things. Uh, so he's a gourmand, especially sweet stuff. And he was, he always wanted to try all the bakery in Paris and always has. So he, he would enter into a bakery and say, um, and tell me, oh, I'm, I'm going to buy a chocopin. You're going to buy what? A chocopin. What is that? Well, you know, chocopin. And then I, <laughs> we realized after a couple of back and forth, ah, you want to buy a pain au chocolat. And it, it I don't know how it, it came, but it, it was really, uh, He was pers- he was he, he was absolutely convinced that it was called chocolat, and then I told him, "So now we, we call them pain chocolat, and we are not in the south; we don't call them chocolaté." <laughs> <laughs> now the big debate. <laughs> so it just well, it just happened like this, and we laughed at that point, and that's it. And then a couple of years later, when when the time was happened to 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 be you know the time to 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 name the business. I remember that episode and then I talked to him and I said, what do you think? Let's use this name because it's, it doesn't exist. So so why not use use this name for, for the business? So that's how it, it became Choc au Pain in three words. And then the name of the item is Choc au Pain in one word. That's that's the story. Yeah, and that's your chocolate croissant that got an award a few years ago? Actually, so we got the award for the plain croissant. Ah, plein croissant, okay. Yeah, it was the best croissant in New York City uh, competition. I believe it was in 2018, if I don't mix up the date. Because there was the best baguette, and then the following year, or two years later, there was the best croissant. And we got the, uh, the fan award, so the public award, for our, for our croissant, absolutely. And, and we were thrilled. We were so, so, so proud, so honored. It was, uh, it was, it was a great event as well. There was so many people. Everybody was having a good time, eating, trying everything. It was a fantastic uh, experience. It was nice. And we were so honored, so proud. Yeah, no, you, you should. Uh, I love your croissant and your chocolate croissant. Look, I love everything, let's be honest. Thank you. I think I tried everything. <laughs> I'm not even <laughs> sure I can say what my favorite item is. Aha, interesting. But your wife can. She can, yeah. Well, maybe... Uh, Uh, I like food more than her. That's why, uh, you know, I <laughs> I love everything. <laughs> But look, there's, there's, I, I remember at some point you did that uh, escargot la pistache. Mm-hmm. It was last winter, I think. 
Yeah. Really good. And there is one item, and I hope you're going to put it back. It's the palmier. Oh, yes. That's, that's a good one. I agree. Oh, yeah. I love the palmier. It's really nice. Caramelized. So, you know, we are trying, we are starting. The Petit Queen is become, uh, has become more of a, a seasonal item in terms of variation of the of the flavors, right? We have been more inventive this year with those than we have been in in the past. Because in the past we always had the chocolate, the apple, the the raspberry, and sometimes the apricot that was coming seasonally. And this year we have really been uh, innovating on those. So we had the roasted pineapple. So because of COVID, we have to be more, you know cost conscious and, and be and be more careful so we had to revise the the menu to be a little bit more efficient uh, among other measures but so that's why we don't have all the petit queen anymore but but uh, but we we changed so today started the cranberry petit queen so you can you can check that out and on the weekend we're gonna have apple and brie so that could be something interesting to try oh interesting yeah savory a savory one yep yeah, I remember a few years ago, uh, I tried one of the savory that was really good. Oh, yes. Definitely. You know, I, I, I put it in the toaster oven, so it was a little warm when yeah. I ate it. Mm-hmm. And I think there was goat cheese in yes, it. Yes, correct. There was goat cheese and garlic. Yeah. Yep, and it was delicious. Huh? What, what is your favorite item at Chocopin? Wow, that's a good question. So I love, usually I love really simple things. So um, my my go-to item would, would have been often just a plain croissant, something, you know, very down to the simplest thing. I can't eat gluten anymore for the past, what, two and a half years now. I have discovered that uh, I am highly intolerant to gluten. So that was a bit of a shock, as you can imagine, from (laughs) my trade. So I don't eat those on a a daily basis anymore. But I think the the favorite item, the item that I'm always uh, after for my kids is the petite boule au chocolat because I think for them yep. it's the perfect breakfast or snack. I slice it and I toast it and they, they eat that so it's, it has the chocolate component. It's a bit sweet, not overly sweet, not overly you know heavy. So it's really one item. My, my team always knows to keep the petite boule au chocolat for me when they are left. <laughs> it's, it's the thing that that they know. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, plain croissant. I mean, I love, you know, to bite into a new product or or to try like one of the old one that is coming back on the menu and just to realize like how good it is. (laughs) I must say I'm not very objective, but I I love our our product. Yeah. And you have vegan offering, vegan croissant, vegan chocolate croissant. Yes, we started that uh, about two years ago Uh, and we... uh, we have, uh, so now we have three um, sweet options. We have the croissant, the chocolate croissant, and also the queen. And I don't know if you have tried the queen, Jean-Philippe, but it is really a product in itself. It's not like some kind of subversion of, I mean, all of them are, are, are really good. The croissant and the chocolate croissant, honestly, I still prefer the real butter ones, to be perfectly frank. But I think the, the, the queen, I don't know why, or maybe the, it's the nature of the product, but it's it's a, a product in itself, and it's absolutely delicious. I was shocked when uh, when we did the test, how well it came out. So now we have the raspberry. The Petit Queen Vegan is the is the one with raspberry at the moment. It might change in the future, but yeah, we are trying to you know listen to our our 
clientele, our guests, and we realized that there was a, definitely a demand for, for vegan product. And since we managed to make it and, and it was working pretty well, then, then that's how we started. And, and it was definitely a, a good decision because we have a lot of, uh, a lot of vegan followers. So it's, uh, it's great. Yeah, it's true that I've tried the two vegan products. I didn't try the Queen Yaman, but I tried the chocolate croissant and the croissant. I also prefer uh, with butter, but to be honest, it was pretty good. You know, it's not something where you say, mm, I really don't like it. Right. You know, it was still a bit flaky. Right. You're just missing the, the butter test, but I think it's a great, a great product, in fact, uh, for, for people who don't want to eat any uh, animal product. Right. And who knows, maybe you're going to try to make a gluten-free one. Ah, ooh, that's another challenge. <laughs> Especially <laughs> with, with both gluten-free. And uh, yeah, I have, I have yet to, to see, to see a, a, an interesting gluten-free croissant. Although I, I pushed my team to develop a gluten-free bread a few months after I discovered I couldn't eat them. I think it took me a little bit of time to accept it, <laughs> even for myself, <laughs> before before going. So now we've been doing the, the gluten-free bread for a few months now. I lose track of time, probably eight months now. Uh, once a week, uh, and then we, we keep it frozen for, for you know, if, if customer wants to buy it after that day, since it's it would be complicated to do it every day, but we have a weekly production and and yes i think people have found uh, have found it to be you know it's difficult to have the airiness of the of the of that the gluten brings uh, so yeah. it's it's always a challenge and it's mostly rice flour based but i mean as a as a customer of it i i appreciate it uh, from time to time i freeze it and then i i, I keep you know, I pop it into my toaster, uh, my bread toaster, and it uh, and it works. It's it tastes good. It it looks a bit dense, but honestly, the taste is um, is pretty good, and it's one of the best I've, I've had. To be honest, every time I try a gluten free option in a restaurant, I'm like, oh, okay, that's that's really not not great. <laughs> so yeah, it's often it's often a, a, a disappointment rather than actually a funny story. Once I was in a Hoboken restaurant that I will not name, and I asked for their 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 gluten free option for for the bread, and there was a miscommunication. It could have been bad for a very very highly intolerant person, but thankfully I'm not. So the my dish arrives and the bread arrives, and I look at it on all sides, and I'm like, wow, it looks good. It really does look good. And I bite into it, and say, wow, it's delicious. Who does this bread? So I ask the um, the server. It happens to be a different server. And he said, oh, yeah, that's not gluten-free. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, it makes sense then. So the, the gluten-free version that then came was not so great. <laughs> but, you know, it's, yeah. it's good to have something. No, it's true that sometimes, you know, gluten-free, it can taste like carbon. Exactly. A little bit. Huh? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's often the case. Yeah. So you, you just mentioned your team. And I'm curious to know, because I, I see uh, often on Instagram, you do a shout out to your team. Yes. So can you tell me a little bit about them and how you're working all together? Oh yeah, absolutely. My team is the true essence of, of this business, the true essence of, uh, of Chocopin. There is no Chocopin without, without the team, seriously. It's, uh, 
a like I said at the beginning, I'm not a baker, so <laughs> I couldn't do everything that uh, that we do. They are such hard workers, you know. They they come at all hours of of the day and the night. They are passionate about what they do. Uh, you know, anyone has. Sometimes you know we we have a, something that is happening to a product, something that does not happen the way we expect. So you know there there is some some mistakes, some little accident on the way, but they are always so annoyed about it, and they they really want to achieve perfection, and they are they are trying very hard. They care, and I think that makes a lot of difference because when people work in in a place and they don't care, uh, I think you can see it on the on the quality of the. The product and the service and and my team, whether it's uh, the people who are in production or the people who are in the store, they really care. They care about their the the job that they are doing. They care about the experience they are giving to the to the client, to the guests. They care about you know the reputation of the company. They are they are they really and they make they make all the difference and they are they are wonderful. It's uh, it's funny because we we just had a, a team. Um, dinner uh, last week and it was the first one in almost two years you know because of, of covid we didn't do any events we like to do some some events regularly and it was so good to be able to finally do it again see each other not in the the chocopin outfit for once and they like to you know show the best of them themselves they were all very dressed up and and it was it was a real pride to to see to see all of them, you know, celebrating, having a good time together. It was, it um, it really warms my my heart because they they don't necessarily realize, but they are they are the essence of uh, of this company. They truly are. It's like a family, in fact. It is oh, completely, absolutely. We we care about each other. We they care about each other. They they support each other. They will they will help each other uh, from one store to the other, from one production room to the other if they if they can if it's if it's needed everybody's you know chipping in and helping each other it's uh it really it really it really makes even the difficult moment less difficult because because everybody's has such a, a great mindset about it and it really is a family hmm. what about the customers so because i remember we we met a few years ago uh, there was a uh, competition in new york about the, the best baguettes mm -hmm. And I remember you mentioned that what was very interesting is between the three locations that you have, how different the customers are. Can, can you tell us a bit about it? True, yeah. We actually have four locations. You have four locations. Where are the fourth one? Uh, so two in Hoboken, north and mm -hmm. south, and one in Jersey City downtown, uh, not far from Grove Street Pass, and then the production facility in the Heights, Jersey City Heights. On Palisade Avenue. Okay. So, uh, yeah, we have very, very different. So, different, uh, different things about it. We have some customer that we see in many locations. So we have the customer that always stay in one location. Then we have the customer that we see in in several locations, and that's always funny. It's like, oh, uptown, downtown today. Okay. Or maybe they were, you know, in the neighborhood doing running other errands and, and they, they stop now here. Sometimes it's because one product is not available on one in one store, so they go and pick it up in another one. Uh, sometimes they, for example, live in Hoboken and work in Jersey City, so we will see them at different uh, opportunity because of that. So that's very funny. So it shows how 
loyal they are and that's that's a, always a, a great feeling they also are different from yes from one location to one to the other i guess it's it speaks to the sense of uh, of community you know in hoboken for example you have i mean hoboken is such a small town it's difficult to imagine that there is difference between the different area right where where people live but there is uh, somehow there is i guess uptown is more family oriented you know bigger building a lot of uh, a lot of probably bigger apartment as well so more more suited for 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 families downtown is maybe more more students so there is this kind of difference but again Hoboken is such a small town that people can easily go from one side to the uh, to the other. Uh, Jersey City is very different because it's it's a much larger city, right? So people who live in the Heights are very attached to the Heights, for example. So it's like you 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 feel such a strong sense of, of community there. It's a uh, it's it's a uh, it's really uh, it's really touching and uh, and I find it great. I, I find and you know. Being part of this community with uh, with Chocopin, we, we we experience it, right? So we experience it the uh, the relationship with the, uh, the the other business around us, the participation of the of the guests, their involvement in the community life, whether it's the you know association, the the music scene, the art scene, the 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 the, the market. I I think they have to walk more. Uh, to go to to the, the, their places of choice, but they will do the extra effort to do it. You know, to show to show their, yeah. those business their support. So it's a it's a very different uh, scene than uh, than Hoboken, where you have such a high concentration of everything. You know, everywhere. So you have a coffee shop, maybe two blocks from you, and then another one two blocks from you. Like on a on a if you if you look at a radius, it's a, it's it's. A, it's i think it's quite different so yeah we do notice the the differences but it, what is fantastic is to establish a contact with uh, with them in in each of the different locations and get to know them and they get to know us and that that makes it completely different because you you know we are not there to just sell a baguette and buy thank you and we don't care uh it's it's the little thing the little talk the the checking on the kids seeing the kids some of them uh, that I do know know very well that were just born when we opened and and there and I see them playing in the park I see them at different events where sometimes my kids are also involved in, in uh, and I'm amazed I'm like wow there was there was a newborn when we opened <laughs> and now <laughs> our siblings and, and everything we've had you know marriage proposal in the stores people involve us and tell us that they have a plan they want to do this and if we can help them and so it's beyond the experience the the product trying to sell a product of very high quality and every day the same and the atmosphere the the whole experience that we are offering it goes beyond that because we are really and i think we have many opportunities to realize this we are really a part of our guest life a part of their daily life like you said every saturday morning Every Sunday morning, you come to Chocopin. It's like a ritual. It's a tradition. It's like it's part of your what you do during during the weekend. So we are part of your life uh, mm. somehow, and and that's the best feeling. That's amazing. That's really something that I did not expect to find when I when before I opened Chocopin. Yeah, I guess it's a, in a sense a bit like the bakery of the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. You know, like you would find in France. 
in a you village. You know where they yeah. know you because you're coming. Yeah, it's it's true. Now, very interesting what you said. It's and so true. And where where? Or, or let me ask you. Are you selling your products in other businesses like restaurants or coffee shops? Yes, actually we do. <laughs> Absolutely. We do sell our product in specialty stores like cheese store, uh, wine store. Uh, we sell it in, in restaurants and in coffee shops. We, we work with people uh, most of the time around Hoboken and Jersey City, but also New York and Brooklyn. So we go... Uh, We also deliver uh, over there pretty much every day of the week. Yeah. Are you planning to open uh, something in New York? No, not really. No? No, it's New York is another, I don't know, another place. It's, I like how close those locations are for, for the moment. You know, I can be in any of them in less than 10 minutes. And that's, uh, it feels, it feels, it feels more, Under control, but not in a negative way, you know, more like close, being part of the same yep. system. New York City feels like, I don't know, it's, well, first the rent are crazy. I mean, even if, if things change with COVID, I think it's back to some crazy levels. And, and I don't know, I'm, I'm happy on this, uh, on this side of the Hudson, to be honest. So talking about Hoboken, what's your favorite place to eat in Hoboken? Ah, in Hoboken, we love uh, we love Barbes. That's a, that's a family uh, favorite. We go we go there very uh, very often. We love you know there are so many of other places that we uh, that we enjoy. Barbes would be uh, would be a number one choice, I think. I, I'm sure you've tried, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I tried a few times. I have to say, their couscous and tagine are really really good oh, it's yeah, french moroccan huh, for people who don't know barbes french moroccan they used to be in new york they closed one of their locations in new york and opened in hoboken a few years ago and definitely um, i i think one of the owner is from morocco the other one from algeria originally mm -hmm. And that their couscous is very authentic, in fact. Mm -hmm. So for people who never tried it, it's the place to go. It was one of the things that I missed the most when we uh, when we moved here because you know I mean, living in Paris many many years, it was an easy thing to access, right? It's at at every corner you you find a, a great couscous place and. And it's, it's part of your daily life or, or weekly life. And here I found it very, very challenging to, to, to find one. So I was, I was so, so happy when I heard that, uh, that Barbes was coming to Hoboken. I was like, oh my God, that's a wonderful thing. Because I knew them from New York as well. And I was like, Jesus, this is great. This is great news. I cannot wait to see what they are doing with this new location that they are opening uh, in the former Kuchahamama place. Oh, I didn't know they were opening yes. a new location. Ah, I'm giving you oh, a scoop. Great. They're opening a, yes. think, a Mediterranean restaurant. Um, okay. Yes. Because it's true that when you look at Hoboken, you're missing a bit of a French restaurant. Right, There exactly. was Brasserie de Paris that closed a yeah. few years ago. Yeah, it was great. It was really nice, but it, it didn't, yeah. didn't last. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so... I mean, in, in Jersey City, you have a couple of restaurants, like yes. uh, Madame Bistro Claude, La Source, Bistro that La is Source. Madame Claude. Yeah. yeah. But Hoboken, uh, that's the part. But I, I'm not saying, I mean, Barbès is serving some French dishes also. Huh? Yeah, uh, there. It's not just couscous. But a 
pure French restaurants where you can get, you know, your escargot, your duck confit, mm -hmm. you know, things like that, that's missing definitely in Hoboken. I agree. It's funny. When you see in New York, there's hundreds of them. So it's, uh, it's really strange that it hasn't happened yet in, uh, in, in Hoboken or in a, you know, in a lasting way, at least. Yeah, I agree. And, and what's your favorite place to eat in New York? Oh, why? There's so much, so much choice. We love, there is this Italian place that we really love in, in West Village that we go very, very regularly. It's Malatesta. I think it's at the crossing of Washington and, and Christopher Street. So it's really just two minutes away from Christopher Street uh, Pass. So we uh, really enjoy it. Very authentic. Their pasta is amazing. I mean, I don't eat pasta anymore, but <laughs> when I used mm. to, there was, there was really delicious. They have also amazing salads. I uh, also enjoyed very much going to Koreatown. This is something that I discovered living in the US, Korean food uh, that we don't yep. don't have much in uh, in France. So it was really something that I discovered here and I and I really enjoyed. There are so many, so many little uh, Korean restaurants that are absolutely amazing. And f uh, French one, I must say, there is one that I uh, keep going back and, uh, and I'm always very impressed is uh, Papi in uh, East Village. Have you been there? No, I've never been there. Uh-huh, you're gonna try that. Very small. I'm gonna, yeah. You, you know, for pasta, maybe you can try Aunt Jake's. Okay. I don't know if you know that place. They, they make their own pasta. And what I really like about the place is that you can pick the type of pasta and you can pick the sauce you want also. So mm. you can mix, you know, each time you go, you can have something different. And I think they have some gluten-free options. And in fact, I was just there uh, yesterday for brunch. And they had, I love squid ink pasta, mm -hmm. and I love vongol, you know, yeah. the clams. Right. And in fact, they have the squid ink bucatini alle vongol. Oh, wow. And uh, that's what I had yesterday. It was I really saw... good fresh pasta. I saw your it, picture. It's really a place to try. Oh, nice. Sorry? What's... I saw your picture. It was, uh, it looked amazing. What was yeah. the, the name of the place again? Aunt Jake's. Okay. They have two locations that I know. Uh, one that is close to West 4th Street, and the other one is on the Upper East Side. Okay, I'm going to try that. New York has, has so many options. Uh, I try uh, not to forget Hoboken, because same thing, Hoboken has many, many restaurants that are, uh, that are great. And more. One of uh, my favorites is, for example, uh, Antique Bar and Bakery. Oh yeah, absolutely. That is, that is very nice, I agree. Yeah, and uh, in fact, they make bread. They do make bread, and and I agree with you. What they are proposing is different from what you find every everywhere else in Hoboken. I think there is a lot of, you know, kind of the same food that you can find in Hoboken, and and they they go bold. They they really offer something uh, very uh, very unique with their own way of doing it, and I think they are doing it uh, very very nicely. I agree. So thank you, Clémence. I don't know if you want to add anything or maybe tell us uh, where to find you. Ah. Maybe your Instagram or Facebook. We are on both Instagram and Facebook. The, uh, the handle for Instagram is at Chocopin Bakery. And for Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Chocopin Bakery as well. The same. So this is where we are communicating 
uh, a lot. We are announcing our new things. So currently, our big thing is uh, is Thanksgiving. That is uh coming up in a, in a, in about six weeks and we that's that's the biggest uh, biggest um, event for us in, in the whole year so we are everybody's already working very hard towards towards thanksgiving so uh we we will talk a lot about about it in the next um, in the next weeks and actually orders are open so people can already place their order pre-order get an, an early bird discount for an order place before the end of october yeah, no, I, I saw that, in fact, and, um, you know, what I like is that you're also proposing a one-person uh, pie, like yes. your pick and pie, for instance, so mm -hmm. you don't need to buy uh, the entire pie uh, if you're alone or you want to uh, mix and match multiple uh, pies. And, and those pies, I tried them uh, in the past, they are really, really good, so definitely I suggest some people uh, try them out. They're fantastic, and you have the pear and almond pie. Yes. That uh, is something I don't really see much. I don't know why, in fact. Huh? You don't see that many pear tart. Uh, it's a classic. Uh, in the US. Right? It's a classic, yeah. but I don't see it much. So each time you're proposing it, I'm jumping on it. <laughs> That's great to hear. We actually make it uh, with spices so it's not exactly the plain uh, you know almond cream that we do with the other fruit but for this one we uh, we actually add some spices to make it uh, a little different so to make it very 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 special but um, i'm glad to hear that that you like it great all right thank you clemence for participating to this episode thank you i hope it made people hungry at least uh, for me, it made me hungry and I can't wait to come this weekend to Chocopin and try a couple of the items that you mentioned. Thank you, Jean-Philippe. We cannot wait to see you. Thank you so much. Merci, Clémence. So that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Feel free to reach out to me if you have any question, comment or suggestion at jp at adjustwanttoeat.com and check out the blog at www.adjustwanttoeat.com. A bientôt. Au revoir.